the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along. The Friday, 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 lovely Friday edition of the Stay Home Edition of The Ride Home. (laughs) That's an awful lot, Kathy. Good to see you. How are you? Thank you, John. Happy to be seen today. It is, and I hesitate to even say this because Mm. it's too much to hope for. There's a cool breeze which I just felt a little glimmer of. Really? Well, mm-hmm. summer breeze coming your way. Well, the, the only summer the only summer breeze I've had in the last seven days has been like a blow dryer. <laughs> well, I thought you were getting an air conditioner. It just hasn't come yet. Oh, okay. All right. A little summer breeze. Remember seals mm-hmm. and crofts? Summer breeze makes me feel fine. Yeah, yeah. Rolling through the chasm in my mind. I think they were like of the butt. Benai, but Benai faith. They were, they were Benai Barith. No, that's people that's of faith. Uh, oh, I know. They were Baha'i. Baha'i. Thank you. Baha'i, yeah. which is very different. Seals and cross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are they really? Jean. Is that what they were? Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. They stepped away from it all. I mean, they were just gigantic stars. You know, you're probably too young for that, but you know, they were. Oh, I know. Cool. I know that song, Summer Breeze, which I like mm-hmm. very much. Oh, Ruby Jean. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> How are things at home? In well, the work-life fr- balance of your life. Well, okay. So this is what's hard about this era that we're all living in. Um, first off, those of us who are able to work from home, I think we are fortunate yes, um, we are. because I would say most people who are employed have to go to work, whether you work in retail or you work in some food service industry or in a factory or whatever it is. I think most people probably have to go to work. Yeah. Now, we are not able to go to work, so there, there are good and bad things about that. So from your perspective, John, the hardest thing for you about working from home, what is it? That it never shuts off. Mm. That, you know, and it's kind of, you know, here's the only difference. Our jobs are unique in that, you know, we are, you know, that, that, that phrase content creators in a way or content providers. So we're, we're just always kind of like, you know, at at that 10,000 feet of, of consuming, now, the only difference is in the old days, there was a point where I had to, you know, get ready and drive into the studio. Mm-hmm. Now I don't do that. So um, work is here in, in the spare room and I love it. I'm very content here. Uh, I've got no problem with it, but it is the difficulty of, you know, when the show's over, I go outside in the yard and sit on the chaise lounge and I continue on and get ready for tomorrow. So right. it's just not, a, you know, the faucet's always open, I should say. Right. No big deal. Everybody has their, you know, their positives and their negatives about how they earn their living. That's just how it is for me. Yeah. For okay, you? So his, so, well, I would say it's probably the same thing. I think what I was thinking of as you were talking is I think overall, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but it seems as if women have a harder time with a work-life balance than men do. Yeah, Do you think I, that's true? I, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Because in our house, you know, the duties are, you know, my wife, she's doing the shopping. 
Right. You know, so she works all day long and then she's doing some shopping. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the cleaning um, for better or worse. You know, there, there's a trade-off of things, but I think, you know, the maternal, the mother, yeah. she's, she's on duty a heck of a lot more, I believe. Right. Okay. Well, I was surprised then um, because that, I think that's been my experience, but also knowing my husband as well as I do, knowing you and Mike as well as I do, I think all three of our marriages are pretty equal as far as we all do a lot of stuff. It's not like you guys are the, are the type of men, you know, from Leave it to Beaver who come home and put your feet up and then your wives wait on you. <laughs> that's not going to go over real well. No, I don't think that's the way it works. No, it and my husband is absolutely like just a terrific roommate, just as far as we've always had a really easy time sharing, sharing tasks. But yes, yeah. this latest article in the Wall Street Journal about work-life balance opened my eyes to a couple things. The first thing they said is that when they asked men and women about this, them being tied to both things, work and like work and home, mm-hmm. they were equal in their perspective of how stressful it was. So it wasn't really that women were more stressed by it. Both women and men were stressed by it. Okay. So here's something really interesting. It said that the different roles we play, which are, you know, you are who you are at work or you hear, or you are who you are at home as a husband or a dad or, you know, whatever it is, those things kind of war with each other. What this article is saying that all the different obligations that we have and the different roles that we play are beneficial to us for physical and emotional health because they force us to engage in activities that are good for us that we don't necessarily want to do, such as physical activity, problem solving, or social engagement. Mm, yeah. It said people report a higher sense of purpose because they tend to have a better a better capability of being able to respond to demanding situations that they weren't expecting. Oh, that's interesting. So as much as you might feel stressed out by having to do both things or people who are at home right now because they have little kids who have been home since March and they're like, oh my gosh, what if they don't go back in the fall? I'm going to lose my mind. They're saying as stressful as all these things are actually mentally and physically, it might be good for you. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll buy that. That's interesting. But okay. What what are this? If you could outsource one segment of that work-life balance, like say that you had, you know, an accountant and that accountant was in charge of looking at your money and paying all your right. bills monthly. Wouldn't yeah, that be fabulous? That'd be nice. That'd be really or nice. you had someone show up at your house once every week and, you know, clean from top to bottom. Wouldn't right. that be great? I mean, uh, someone who did all your grocery shopping, put things okay, this away. This is what I would like. Yeah. This is nothing you've named so far. Okay. I wish that I had a personal assistant who would show up in the morning and say, hi, Kathy, welcome to Friday. These are the things you have to accomplish today. And then this person, male or female, would keep up with me during the day and would say, hey, did you do that yet? Did you do that yet? Because what happens is we finish the show at six and we we record until 6.30 or 6.45 or whatever it is. And I go downstairs and realize that there were four things I was supposed to do today that I didn't do. Oh, well then, then here, you're talking about something we're going to talk about a little bit later on in the show. Maybe you need an AI personal assistant. Okay. I mean, I'd rather have a human, but none, I, I don't think I can afford to pay one. Right. I think you know, I offered Mike the, the job. I offered Mike that job for free and he said no. As a personal assistant. Yeah. yeah. For free. He's hey. got his hands full at home. Believe me. Whatever. Yeah. You know, Whatever. maybe you could train his, his four-year-old child to be your personal assistant. He could grow into the role. Okay, let me tell you something else about this article about work-life balance. Yeah. It says, now are you ready for this? Because this is, this is a big claim. It says, 
people who have a higher sense of purpose, which means that they feel like they're needed at home and at work, tend to have better immune response profiles, lower levels of the stress hormone cortisol, fewer cardiovascular risk factors, fewer sleep problems, Hmm. a lower risk for depressive symptoms, and lower mortality rates among older adults. Oh, that's fabulous. Okay, so when you're talking about that, when I hear that, I think about my mom. So she raised seven kids. If my mother, I bet you twice in my life, I remember when she was sick. And we used to live in dread fear. Don't get sick because everything revolved. So all that weight, all that tension, all that work coalesced around her life, I'm sure made her super strong. It also crushed her as well. Yeah. How long did she live? Well, how old was she when she, she passed away, John? She was 80. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, that's a long, solid life. Yes, anyway, let me read one last thing. When And this is from the Wall Street Journal. When working parents think that one day they will get the balance between work and family right and the conflict will disappear, they are setting themselves up for an exhausting, unwinnable battle. The pandemic has made that clearer than ever. As any working parent on the receiving end of well-intentioned advice can tell you, no solution exists for the challenges of working and raising children under quarantine. (laughs) We would do well to accept the conflict, to just accept it, rather than believe, as others have told us, that it can be solved once and for all. Because acceptance gives us the freedom to feel whatever we're feeling, exhausted, energetic, grateful, or in need of a trip to Tahiti. Being patient with ourselves when we experience the difficulties of working parenthood may be the most healing thing we can do. To just accept it. Just Take the role and embrace it. Now, imagine post-COVID, right, however long that is, someday the amount of introspection, books, uh, webinars, podcasts, you name it, that focus on the, that specifically mm-hmm. will be off the charts, among many yep. other things, of course, as well. Yep. But that, that work-life balance during COVID, that's going to be yep. a center point. And I think it's going to change the way, I think it probably already has changed the way that we've looked at our, jo- our roles as caregivers, as parents, as spouses. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Interesting times, right? To say Very the least. Time. And yeah, is it too lot. late for me to tell you? Tell me. Your weekend has begun. Oh, yes. It's 14 minutes past the four o'clock hour on a Friday afternoon. Truly all is right and well in this corner of the world. Looking forward, John, to a terrific program today. Yes. Take a break. Come back. Who's up next, Kath? Up next, Stephen Mansfield, one of our favorite guests from the Washington, D.C. area. We're talking about beer. Beer? Mm-hmm. Actually, not just the substance. We're talking about one particular beer. We're talking about Guinness beer, the search for God in Guinness, Guinness, a biography of the beer that changed the world. Author Stephen Mansfield, a terrific guest, up next. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. <laughs> WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. Here's what we need to understand. It may be possible for some earthly kingdom to be in decline and God's kingdom be doing quite well. Millions and millions have come to Christ in a bad political situation. Join us for Adrian Rogers' series, Whatever Happened to the American Dream, this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD.
When you're in college, sleep is important. But thanks to your studies and busy schedule, you might not be getting as much rest as you need. That old mattress you've had since you were a kid, though, it's just not cutting it. Upgrade your sleep experience with a locally made, hand-built mattress from the original Mattress Factory. We offer a variety of mattresses, including twin extra long, to suit every comfort preference and to fit every budget. And we deliver right to you. Visit an OMF store near you or go to OriginalMattress.com to learn more. At the Original Mattress Factory, we don't just have a low-pressure sales approach. We have a no-pressure sales approach. At OMF, you'll never feel pressure to buy when you're not ready. You can feel free to shop around, test out our mattresses as many times as you need to, and quiz our team on anything about the mattress industry. We're here to help make your mattress buying experience better, not pressure you into a purchase you're not ready to make. Stop by an OMF store today to experience the no-pressure Original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. As the will of the students goes, so goes the will of the nation. This is a central theme of the new movie, Return to the Hiding Place. The film about Corrie ten Boom and her secret army of teenagers' heroic efforts to hide and save Jews from the Nazis during World War II. Corrie's story was made famous by her book and original movie produced by the Billy Graham Association. Now, 45 years later, comes Return to the Hiding Place, the untold, behind-the-scenes true story of Corrie's secret army of student teenagers' efforts to rescue Jewish people. Told by Hans Poli, one of Corey's teens in the resistance, Return to the Hiding Place is an action-packed film of the Dutch underground's true, breathtaking rescue of an entire orphanage of Jewish children. Return to the Hiding Place, starring John Rhys Davies. Watch this captivating movie tonight with your older children at SalemNow.com and save 20% with promo code Pittsburgh. Return to the Hiding Place at SalemNow.com, promo code Pittsburgh. Due to historical content, might not be suitable for younger audiences. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ, and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody to Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. Who is most at risk for coronavirus? People over 65, people with underlying medical conditions like heart disease, chronic lung disease, asthma, diabetes, people undergoing cancer treatment, and people with weakened immune systems. What should you do if you or a loved one is at higher risk? Avoid close contact with people. Avoid crowds. Stay home if you can. Wash your hands frequently. Learn more ways to protect yourself and others at coronavirus.gov. Friday afternoon. I think this evening a lot of people across this world will raise a glass to the Guinness family. If you are one of those people who imbibe uh, a Guinness beer, yeah, um, it's dark and frosty and um, very, very refreshing, as a matter of fact. They're here to talk to us about the beer and the family and the God who surrounds all that is Stephen Mansfield. Stephen's been with us many times in the past. He's got a, a workout called A Biography, The Search for God and Guinness, A Biography of the Beer That Changed the World. Stephen, welcome back to the show. How are you? Great to be with you again. Thank you. I'm doing well. Very yeah. good. Always happy to have you, Stephen. Okay, so let's talk. So, so Guinness—it's um, more than a beer, right? It, it's a—it's a family tradition, and it's closely linked to the area uh, that it's from as well. So, take us back to the beginning. When did it start? Well, it, it's interesting. You know, that there was a, a time in which Parliament 
uh, and in the British Isles outlawed uh, alcohol and, and actually required it that it, that it you know couldn't be imported into the country. And so what happened was this famous gin craze uh, that just caused drunkenness to be rampant in the British Isles. Well, about that same time, a man named Arthur Guinness who had grown up on the estate of an archbishop and whose father was the bishop's, archbishop's manager, um, learned a lot about the brewing of beer. And brewers of beer at that time were seen as people who were really doing social good. I mean, we think of people who brew now as just, you know, those who are selling beer in bars. But, but at that time, it was like the Red Cross. You know, it was, like, it was like somebody out there trying to make a difference in the world, Doctors Without Borders, because it was an answer to this gin craze. And so Arthur Guinness became very, very skilled at it. Uh, finally opened a brewery in Dublin in 1759 and decided to start brewing what's called dark stout or porter stout. And uh, it's, a, it's now the famous dark beer that the Guinnesses brew to this day. Of course, there's a huge faith story behind all of this that I'm sure we'll get to, but, uh, but that beer became world famous almost immediately. It is world famous. Uh, and one of the th- side things, and I'm sure you've spoken to him, Oz Guinness has been on our show multiple times over the years, Stephen. Of course, he's part of the Guinness family and a very strong man of God. And there's no question there are a great many of them. In fact, in fact one of uh, his ancestors, one of Oz's ancestors, was considered the Billy Graham of the 1800s, really? uh, a Guinness who was a famous preacher. And so uh, they were t- tied to the Hudson Taylor family, the mission- famous missionary family in China, uh, so there was a great deal of connection between Christian ministry and the brewing of beer, believe it or not. A lot of people would be surprised by that, who think of beer as almost being the opposite of Christian faith, but it was actually a tool in the Christian faith for generations. Okay, so this is really interesting. I love when something surprises us culturally, and we have to kind of take off our, you know, remove our snobbery of how things are right now and kind of try to enter into a different time. So set the stage for us. What was it? I mean, was it the gin craze that caused people to think that beer was a remedy? I mean, beer was a remedy for a long time when you couldn't get clean water also. It was. At that time in history, in fact, we can make this a little bit more American for a moment. When the pilgrims came to America, uh, or it wasn't America, it was the New World, but when they came here, uh, the first building they built was the brew house. Now, this wasn't because they were, you know, particularly addicted to alcohol. Obviously, they were trying to be good Christians. But the people of that generation and earlier would not have consumed water just fresh from a, a creek or a pond um, because they'd had bad experiences culturally. They'd, had, they'd known people to die from drinking tainted water. Uh, and even though they didn't know the science for it, they knew that beer that was brewed um, and that had a certain alcohol level in it uh, was far less potent in terms of the microorganisms that might kill people. So it became standard fare. Don't drink water, no, don't drink quote-unquote natural water, uh, but beer is healthy. And during times of plague, for example, the medieval church used to baptize children uh, in beer because they were afraid of the water. That, that was the really? culture for many, many centuries. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So when I talk like this, sometimes people think I'm an advocate for drinking an alcohol. I'm not really. In fact, it's a, one of, if you've read the book, you know that I don't actually drink beer. I don't like the taste. I know that's weird, kind of a letdown for some people. Um, but I don't actually drink beer. But my point is that it's not that I'm trying to push alcohol on people. It's that I'm trying to get them to realize that what something as unusual as a, as a brewing company, as famous as Guinness, uh, how that was behind a great deal of benevolence and Christian ministry throughout the centuries. Interesting. So go back for a second. Talk, uh, Stephen, about the Guinness family and their decision to brew something that's stout. Of course, you know, when you look at uh, American brewing, you look at, uh, you know, like um, a Miller Lite. I mean, Guinness is, is far from the east, is from the west between those two tastes. 
Yeah, it, it, it's it's really interesting. Uh, a lot of the beer that uh, would, would have been produced at the time, and that most people are familiar with today, is what 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 we sometimes call blonde beer. You know, uh, it's a more yellow colored beer. Uh, but Arthur Guinness, as a master brewer, had developed a kind of uh, a specialty and a kind of beer that was popular amongst the porters at the train stations in England. It was darker. It was richer. Some people have joked it was a beer milkshake. Of course, that's overstating. Uh, and it, was, it turned out to be unbelievably nutritious. So this became very popular. In fact, in the early 1800s, Guinness, the brewery in Dublin, the one that Arthur founded, decided to stop producing any beer but the dark stout. Let me just say quickly that it, it has been proven that Guinness beer in its, in its original form and then the, the form people often drink it in today uh, was so filled with vitamins that for a long time on the Irish Health Service, uh, women were actually prescribed Guinness beer because it had so many of the vitamins that pregnancy tends to deplete and leach from a woman's body. Uh, so it was very, very common for a doctor to write a prescription for so many pints of beer in a day or a week for a pregnant woman. And that, so this was part of the appeal uh, of all of Guinness beer, but also just the great flavor for those who are beer drinkers. Uh, Guinness has a special appeal. It almost has a cult following, <laughs> following in a sense, uh, because people love it so much. Yeah, okay. This is really amazing. Stephen Mansfield is with us. He's an author of a whole bunch of different works, including The Faith of Barack Obama, Lincoln's Battle with God, uh, and Never Given the Extraordinary Character of Winston Churchill. We're talking about his book, The Search for God and Guinness, a biography of the beer that changed the world. Now, Stephen, what's funny is that you don't drink Guinness, John doesn't, and I don't. So we have, we're like... <laughs> we're not even qualified to talk about this, are we? <laughs> we're really appreciating this from a historical, cultural context. But actually getting to know Oz over the years um, and hearing the stories that he's told, I believe that Arthur was his great, great, great grandfather. Three. Um, I think that's I think that's that correct. Sounds about right. That sounds okay. about right. And Arthur's a great representation of the Christian line that extends from the Guinnesses. But you know that really came from the influence of John Wesley. And here's where the story gets very interesting. Mm-hmm. Arthur has started his brewery in Ireland, in Dublin. Uh, by the way, signing a nine thousand year lease. Can you believe it? People still what? scratch their heads over that one. Um, and after he becomes successful and influential in society, he hears John Wesley. Uh, speak, and they become friends and interact a bit. Well, at that time, if you were wealthy and had a big business, you were you were considered to be in secular work, and so you did your religious stuff in church, and then you were non-religious when you were doing your work during the week. But Guinness came along, and he said, look, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can to the glory of God. And you remember, of course, the Methodists under John Wesley's leadership were all about ministering to the poor and going into prisons and so on. And so Arthur got from those words, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can to the glory of God, a mandate for his wealth. In other words, his business, his wealth, was not a secular thing anymore in his mind. It was now something he could use for the glory of God. And that's when he just began to take off and use his company and train his heirs, by the way, to use the company uh, for the glory of God and use its wealth for social good. Oh, wonderful. So uh, ministry outreach, I guess we would call that today. So what did that look like in the time of Arthur Guinness? What, what specifically kind of ministry was he involved with? Well, Arthur Guinness, for example, is the father of the Sunday school movement in Ireland. It's Robert Rakes in England, but in Ireland, it's Arthur Guinness. Mm-hmm. 
he began to work against uh, dueling, which was a big issue at the time. It was a huge social issue. Two men would get in an argument in a bar and step out in the streets and duel with each other, and one would be killed. He fought against that. He fought against the excesses of his own social class, the upper class, that would just be uh, ostentatious and extravagant and a waste of wealth. And he also founded and started on, uh, sat on the board of a hospital for the poor. So he did a great deal of, at the time. But the main thing he did was train his sons and his heirs, those he had impact, could directly impact, on how to use the wealth of the Guinness Brewery uh, for the glory of God and for social good. And they are the ones who really began to take off uh, and make a difference in the world with the Guinness name and Guinness wealth. Oh, that's fascinating. What about, you know, here we are in the city of Pittsburgh, Stephen, and we always talk about, you know, the robber barons, the, uh, the Carnegie's and the Fricks and the Mellons. What were they like as employers? Any idea on their insights of, you know, as Christian believers, how they treat employees of the Guinness Brewery? Well, they, they were amazing to their employees. And again, this was part of that newly Christian Wesleyan vision for the company. Uh, if you had worked for Guinness in 1928, and bear in mind, that's just the year before the Great Depression, uh, you would have had uh, an unbelievable list of benefits. You, you would have had uh, sports facilities. You would have had libraries. You would have had uh, a, a, loan, a loaning libraries. You would have had your funeral paid for. You would have had life insurance, if you can believe it. At that time, that was hardly ever heard of. Um, they even, I mean, the whole list of things, they even had a dating society uh, because the Guinness Brewery paid every year for all families to go out into the country and get out of the city. And if you were a single man, uh, they would work hard to find the right young lady for you to go out into the country with. And they had an entire dating office for that purpose. And, of course, they promised every worker two pints of the, of the good stuff every day. Um, so there's a long list of benefits. It's, it's sort of like what we see now with Apple and Microsoft and Google the way that they treat their employees and kind of extreme generosity. That's what the Guinnesses were doing, but they were doing it in the 1800s and the early 1900s. Oh, that's an amazing wow. story. New York Times bestselling author Stephen Mansfield is with us. The book is called The Search for God and Guinness, a biography of the beer that changed the world. Now, you said that they were using as a um, kind of a mantra or a, a worldview concept, make all you can, give all you can. There was a third one. Uh, save all you it was the second one was save all you can and then give all you can for the glory of god so make a lot save a lot give a lot is basically the short way to say it okay Stephen. so contrast that with um kind of the left-leaning movement in christianity uh which has certainly taken hold in a lot of america today which says look if you're rich there's something wrong with you you are basically a robber baron of the current day you're taking advantage of people just by having wealth you're proving that you really don't care about your fellow man yeah, that this, this, of course, is a fallacy, um, and it, but it is, by the way, something that some wealthy people have earned by their callousness and their disregard of the poor and maybe corporations that have abused the poor, so they've, they've earned those reputations a little bit. But look at the example of, of Arthur. His father's just an estate manager. It's like being the manager of McDonald's today or something. Not, they're basically middle class. Um, but young Arthur uses his own gifts, grows a gigantic uh, brewery, uh, makes great business deals, and uh, then use the harnesses all of that for, for, for social good. Consider just for a moment, uh, one story I, I want to tell very, very briefly. Yeah. When World War I hit and the Irish uh, soldiers began to go and be part of that effort, uh, the Guinnesses promised every man who went to war that he would have his job when he came home, think about what that would mean today, and paid the families of those men half salaries while those men were at war. 
Wow. Now, now, if that's the way a company behaves, people aren't going to be, uh, you know, left-leaning and anti-wealth and anti-corporations. They're going to say, hey, these corporations do great stuff. Let's encourage more of them. So it's all in how corporate uh, corporations and business leaders behave and conduct themselves and use their wealth. But, you know, in Ireland, the, the scuttlebutt amongst women, uh, mothers would turn to their daughters and say, be sure and marry a Guinness man. Because the benefits were so great, it would mean social uplift. And I sat with professors at Trinity College Dublin many times who said, my family only got in to this, basically the Oxford of Ireland, because the Guinnesses paid our tuition. That's the only way I ever got here. So the amount of social uplift that the Guinnesses were doing was amazing. And if other corporations of today did likewise, I don't think we'd have a lot of this left-wing uh, you know, complaint about wealth and about uh, corporate impact. See, so Stephen, our, our time is uh, dwindling away here. So you said Arthur Guinness made a point to teach his his children, his heirs, speaking forward about the Christian life. So we've spoken, of course, about Oz Guinness. What about the corporation today and the heirs? Is it still family owned and operated? Is there still good works being done in the name of Christ? Not not uh, as a, as a whole. It's owned. Uh, Guinness is now owned by an Italian alcohol firm called Diageo, um, but. Uh, even when I talk to those executives, those Italian executives that oh, technically own the, the Guinness Corporation in um, in Ireland, they said, you know, the uh, the workers at the Guinness Brewery maintain the old ways, maintain th- the traditions, maintain the memory of Arthur, and they keep that old culture alive, and it and it's and it's still transforming. So they're basically doing it on their own when it's not encouraged by their more you know secular and less connected to the Irish history uh, Italian alcohol firm. So it's, it's it's an exciting thing to see. And when I do my talks all over the country within business retreats and so on about Guinness, I I put in my keynote presentation some of the commercials they use now um, to promote Guinness and to sell Guinness, and many of them are Christian themed and have hymns in the background. You know, and got careful workers at the brewery kind of uh, talking about Arthur and his example and his social impact. So they're keeping it alive on their own, and it's exciting to see. Mm. Outstanding. What a great story. I know. Another terrific story from Stephen Mansfield. Stephen, thank you. So great to be with you all again. Bye-bye. Yeah. Stephen Mansfield, New York Times bestselling author of Lincoln's Battle with God, The Faith of Barack Obama, and among others, Never Give In, The Extraordinary Character of Winston Churchill, the book we've been talking about, The Search for God and Guinness, a biography of the beer that changed the world. Very nice. Take a quick break. It's our weekly dip into this or that. Kath has 10 things that's this or that. So do I. Stick around. We always have a great time. Seasons of change and uncertainty can be difficult, even scary, but they don't have to control or define you. The counselors of the Grace Wellness Center would consider it a privilege to come alongside and help you replace the fear and frustration with freedom and peace. While office visits are still available throughout the area, Grace Wellness Center also offers online and phone appointments to make counseling convenient and available on your terms, accepting all major insurances at thegracewellnesscenter.com. Every bride is unique, and at URB Bridal Informal in Bethel Park, every dress is customized to celebrate her unique body shape. From size 00 to 36, high fashion, private label designs made to order, as flattering to your budget as they are to your neckline. Enjoy a personalized, no-pressure luxury shopping experience, complete with complimentary champagne and chocolate, and see the entire selection. Find a dress that celebrates you, because you are beautiful, at urbbridal.com. 
In the 2016 race for president, Donald Trump was not the first choice for many Christian voters. His personal history made it unimaginable that he would defend Christian values as president, or so we thought. In his new book, For God and Country, The Christian Case for Trump, Dr. Ralph Reed shows that President Trump has kept his promises and been the most effective presidential defender of religious liberty and the pro-life cause since Reagan. It's required reading in 2020. For God and Country, the new book by Ralph Reed, available wherever books are sold. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. Ready for some fun in the sun along 60 miles? of wide open beaches come to myrtle beach where happiness comes in waves with affordable non-stop flights from pittsburgh you'll be on the beach in no time plan your summer vacation today at visit myrtlebeach.com that's visit myrtlebeach.com i was a little bit surprised but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office and their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at stockfamilydentistry.com Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and on radio.com, in the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Studies show decades of increased taxpayer spending per student has failed to improve educational performance. Can't we do better? Pittsburgh's Christian schools say we can. If you're looking for a safe environment for kids to learn, challenge, and grow, where character matters and academic excellence is served by highly qualified teachers who partner with parents, consider Christian education. Right now, local Christian schools are offering half-price tuitions for first-time enrollees while they last at wordfm.com slash tuitions. Mostly cloudy skies for tonight. It'll be humid with a shower or thunderstorm around. Tonight's low 67. Mostly cloudy, not as warm tomorrow with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm, the high 80. Clear to partly cloudy skies tomorrow night. It'll be humid with a low of 64. Variable cloudy this Sunday with a shower or thunderstorm in spots late in the afternoon. Sunday's high 85. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. that it's our weekly journey we dip our toe into two separate things this or that kath has compiled 10 things i have as well we make a selection between one or the other this or that without much of a comment and we just roll forward kind of an insight a little bit of a rorschach text right we get an idea of who we are i don't know what, what kind of test rorschach i think it's rorschach but okay, okay. Well, oh, I'm just here to help this or that, Kath? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you going to go first? Want me to I would go like first? to begin. All right, fine. I would. Now, John, you've heard that there seems to be a little bit of consternation and um, a lot of conversation about masks. Masks, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm well you aware might, of that. Are you familiar with that? Have you heard am, anybody you. talk yeah. about that at all? Thanks for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that, you will see, is my theme for this week's This or That. Okay, very good. John, I'd like to begin here. Batman or Spider-Man? Batman. Mm-hmm. Deadpool or Hot Lips Houlihan? Hot Lips. <laughs> Darth Vader or Trapper John M.D.? Darth Vader. <laughs> Zorro or Iron Man? Iron Man. Really? 
The Flash, John, or Captain America? Captain America. Mm-hmm. Wolverine or Robin? Wolverine. Okay. Catwoman or The Phantom of the Opera? Catwoman. <laughs> the Lone Ranger or The Green Lantern? The Green Lantern. Oh, that was hard. The Dread Pirate Roberts from The Princess Bride or Audrey Hepburn in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, that's rough. Uh, I know. The Dread Pirate. The Dread Pirate. You got to go The Princess Bride. All right. And last but not least, John, when it comes to masks, Leo DiCaprio in The Man with the Iron Mask or Marcus Welby. (laughs) Oh, I'm going old school. Marcus Welby, MD, ladies and gentlemen. Very nice. Very nice indeed. That's cast this or that for July 10th, 2020. Kath, here we are. Uh, a night out at Tesaro's. Yeah. A night out at PNC Park. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. Either mm-hmm. or. Fine. I'm Either. good with... But okay, I'll take... I'll take Tesaro's because I'm out of baseball. All right. Hunting for a lost file folder. <laughs> Rear-ending someone's new car. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I have to go with the file folder because it had a happier ending. Okay, very good. Pedicure, manicure. Oh, pedicure. Mm, okay. Sleeping in, Sunday afternoon nap. Oh. Sunday afternoon nap. Nice. Air-conditioned comfort, porch sitting. Porch sitting. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Planning a high school graduation party, <laughs> falling down the basement steps. Yeah, of equal difficulty and a lot of mm-hmm. pain, mm-hmm. similar in both. Um, I'll take the, um, I'll take, <laughs> I don't know what to say, actually. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess I'll say the graduation party. Very nice. Okay. It's close. Paris, Catalina Island. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm, I'm only going to say Paris because I haven't been there. All right. Paris. Mm-hmm. Andrew McCutcheon, Sidney Crosby. Oh, you are. This is terrible. Mm -hmm. This is terrible, Sid. All right. The return of hockey, the return of baseball. Uh, Baseball. All right. A day at the work studio, a day at the home studio. Oh, I'll go with a day at the work studio. You guys, I miss you. That's this week's edition of This or That. I mean, there it is right there. We labor over this. You can see that? I can't, There we go. Oh, yeah. You can see that. There mm-hmm. it is. That's my This or That for mm-hmm. July 10th, 2020. Come back. Frederica Matthews Green is with us. We're going to talk about art. What is art? A banana tape to a wall or Benson Van Gogh? WORD. I'm Donna Cruz. Join Keith Stevens and me this weekend for Keep the Faith. You'll hear songs and stories to help you build the setup for your comeback. I might do less concerts than than I've ever done before. Man, I'd rather be celebrated at my funeral by a family who said, you know what? Dad always made me a priority. I hope you can join us for Keep the Faith. Tomorrow night at 10 on 101.5 Word FM. WORD. It may not be stomach issues. For me, it's intense gas. 
or pain or diarrhea, sometimes all at once, over and over. I spent years with the symptoms but could never figure it out. No matter what I did, they never went away. So I decided to break it down for my doctor and get really specific about my symptoms. We discovered that exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, may be the reason for my stomach issues. EPI is caused by my pancreas. It leads to diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. The symptoms just don't go away. But EPI can show up with even one symptom. The good news? EPI is manageable. But to get to the right diagnosis, you have to break it down for your doctor and get specific about the severity of your symptoms. Visit IdentifyEPI.com to learn more and use the symptom checker to help change the conversation with your doctor. Brought to you by AbbVie. Washington County parents, you have a choice in your child's education. So why not consider a private Christian school that's been serving the community for nearly 40 years? At Central Christian Academy in Houston, pre-K through 8th grade students receive the comprehensive education they need to propel them to the top of the class in high school and beyond. Central Christian Academy creates model student leaders other kids look up to. Students prepared for a world that needs Jesus. Schedule a private tour and learn more at ccaschool.com. Finding the right type of care for your loved one can be a highly emotional decision. Moving your loved one to a nursing home, rehab center, or independent care may not be necessary. XL Home Care can provide a warm, family-like environment with an XL caregiver, or you may even qualify to get paid to take care of the ones you love. To learn more, call 412-212-8950. 412-212-8950. Excel Home Care, a help-at-home company. WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station. of a banana like a, a, a real banana but who knows what you know stage of ripeness it was in kath and i prefer green bananas people yes. some people prefer you know yellow or you know brown bananas we don't know what that but the banana was taped to a wall at an art gallery mm-hmm. and it sold for the crazy sum of somewhere like around hundred and twenty thousand dollars, which set off of course a conversation about what is art well, Frederica Matthews Green is with us. She wrote a, a really terrific post on Facebook yesterday. She's been reading a book that uh, it's called Who Says That's Art? Who Says That's Art? And Frederica is here to talk to us about that. Frederica has been with us many uh, times over the year. Her latest book is called Welcome to the Orthodox Church, an Introduction to Eastern Christianity. Frederica, welcome back. How are you on this Friday? Hi, Don. Hi, Kathy. Good to be with you again. Thank you, Frederica. Good to be with you, too, Frederica. Okay, so you're not a fan of modern art. I, I would say I have been really puzzled by modern art. Yes. Um, when we used to live in the Washington area, when my kids were younger, I would take them to the Smithsonian Hirshhorn Museum for the, all the modern contemporary art, mostly so we could laugh at it. Because <laughs> there was so much that was just totally strange and crazy ideas, and yeah, we'd get a kick out of going to that museum. 
I can't say I'm an expert. And the fact that I have to say that is something that has happened in the last 50 years or 80 years, which is we're assuming you have to be an expert to talk about art. Mm -hmm. There used to be that popular phrase, I, I don't know much about art, but I know what I like. And that's what I liked about this book um, called uh, Who Says That's Art? And I'll give you the author's name, Michelle Martyr, and the last name is Kamhi, K-A-M-H-I. I highly recommend this book. But she starts out with the rather radical statement that abstract art is not art. She says the, the only thing that deserves the name of art is representational art that can depict our world to us. And the point of it is to help us understand our world, to feel more deeply the things that we feel, to give images to things we can't find words for. And so it's, she believes that this serves a very important role just in, in human development, human consciousness, looking at beautiful images or at sad images of the world around us. It teaches us how to be human beings. Hmm. I, I would buy that, Frederica. Now, of course, everybody, you know, sort of delves into art in their own own style. Um, and I think more often than not, when you look at modern art, you tend to feel ignorant about it. I remember years ago, I was in Paris and I went to the Pompidou Center and they were showing pieces of twigs, like twigs from a tree wrapped around yarn. And I thought, holy smokes, I could do that. What's the big deal? But what is it? I mean, when you look at, you know, post-World War II America and you see sort of the rise of the proliferation of modern art, in some ways, the mystery there or the, I don't know, the lack of ethos or emotion sort of defined the times in a way. We had just won a war and we're launching into a new modern world. Yes, I, I think that was part of it. So much was unknown. And um, I think a factor we don't often contemplate is that the generation of my parents who liberated Auschwitz, who saw terrible, terrible things, Yes. they came back home, they had a baby boom, they started having lots of babies, and it was very important to them to protect their children. They had seen a world that was so hideous, and they wanted their children to remain innocent. And so they were giving to us. It was like all of a sudden there was a generation gap. And there had never been a generation in the history of the world. It was just mm -hmm. something that it was always children grew up next to their parents, mm -hmm. working at the shop or whatever the parents did. They were mainstreamed. All of a sudden we had this gap. And what the adults needed for themselves was art that was often very poignant or perplexing or depressing or just miserable while children are being fed all the, the Disney and the Peter Pan and all the sure. upbeat stuff. Yeah. So, so then, Frederica, when you see art that resonates with you, talk to us about something that you see something and you say, that's beautiful and I get that. Yes, yes. I think um, I, several of the images that she put um, referred to in the book were, it was eye-opening to me. I often feel even that art that I just kind of resonate with, I don't know why. And she showed some things I'd never seen before, like there was a memorial to men that had died in World War II that had been workers at the railway station in Philadelphia. And it's a beautiful, it's called The Angel of the Resurrection. And she describes it as this she points out that it stands between two columns. She calls it a columnar figure. 
the, the wings of the angel going straight up must be almost half the entire uh, statue. And in bronze, the angel has a very strong face. He's looking down. He's lifting up with his arms around the chest of a dead soldier, his head on the side, pulling him up out of flames. And it's so moving just to look at it. You, can you analyze what's moving about that? I think one of the things is the solemnity. We live in a silly age. There's a, just a lot of absurdity and silliness and lightness. And seeing this angel reminds me that there is sobriety to life as well, that life has not been silly for most of human history. And this artist, whose name is Walker Hancock, given us commission, had a beautiful vision for it. Mm. And, um, boy, there's so much I can say about this, but I'll recommend that uh, not while you're driving, but when you get home, uh, look up The Angel of the Resurrection by Walker Hancock. Fabulous. And you'll see something that is just magnificent that is post-World War II. We don't see a lot. All right. We, we, need, to, we need to step away, Frederica. Stay right where you are. We're going to take a commercial break. And when we come back, we'll continue with Frederica. We talk, might talk a little bit more art. Also, I want to ask you, Frederica, about the Hagia Sophia. Just found out today that it's been voted by the Turkish government to be returned as a mosque instead of the museum it's been for the last, I don't know, 60 or 70 years. There's much more ahead. Friday edition of The Ride Home. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at slugquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. As the will of the students goes, so goes the will of the nation. This is a central theme of the new movie, Return to the Hiding Place. The film about Corey Ten Boom and her secret army of teenagers' heroic efforts to hide and save Jews from the Nazis during World War II. Corey's story was made famous by her book and original movie produced by the Billy Graham Association. Now, 45 years later, comes Return to the Hiding Place, the untold, behind-the-scenes true story of Corey's secret army of student teenagers efforts to rescue Jewish people. Told by Hans Poli, one of Corey's teens in the resistance, Return to the Hiding Place is an action-packed film of the Dutch underground's true, breathtaking rescue of an entire orphanage of Jewish children. Return to the Hiding Place, starring John Rhys Davies. Watch this captivating movie tonight with your older children at SalemNow.com and save 20% with promo code Pittsburgh. Return to the Hiding Place at SalemNow.com, promo code Pittsburgh. Due to historical content, might not be suitable for younger audiences. Hey, Mike, how's the house coming along? <sighs> Needs a ton of work. The pipes are leaking. Needs a new roof. The AC just broke. I just don't have time to do it all myself. 
You know anyone? Oh, just ask HomeAdvisor. They match you with the best local pros for any home project. Cool. Yeah, you can read reviews and book appointments online. What's it cost? Actually, HomeAdvisor is always free to use. Nice. I'll check it out. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app. HomeAdvisor. Hey, ready to go? I sure am. My sleep has been great ever since I started treatment for sleep apnea. Well, nearly 30 million adults have it, including me. Now, let me guess. It was your snoring that gave it away? Mm. Oh, yes, it was. Intense snoring is one of the classic signs. Other signs include gasping for breath during sleep and daytime sleepiness. If untreated, the risk of heart disease and stroke increases. I didn't know that, but I'm glad to hear the treatment can help. Certainly can. To learn more about the warning signs, visit DefendSleep.com. Publications, Frederica Matthews Green. Her latest work is called uh, "The Orthodox." Welcome to the Orthodox Church: An Introduction to Eastern Christianity. We've been talking about art, modern art, ancient art, what people like—a banana taped to a wall. But Kath, you've got some interesting news about a museum. Yeah, I'm actually glad that uh, we're talking to Frederica today because news came down today that the highest court in Turkey has uh, changed the classification of Hagia Sophia, which of course is one of the UNESCO World Heritage Sites in Istanbul. It was built in 537. Just, 537, I'm going to say it again. Year. 537 um, as a, a Byzantine cathedral. Wow. And um, then it became a uh, it became a mosque 1453. Hmm. And then in 19, 1934, as a symbol of the democracy and the secularization of Turkey, it became a museum. So just today, it's been returned to its status as the mosque. Really? And it has created uh, ripples all around the world. Um, there are statements being made by countries all around the world concerned about what this could mean, perhaps for the um, Islamization of, uh, of Turkey. And I'd like to hear your commentary as an Eastern Orthodox person. Frederica, what are your thoughts? Yes, yes, hello. I'm... I was blessed to actually go to the museum about 10 years ago and, yes, walk through it. And um, they had realized that when the city of Constantinople fell to the Muslims in 1453 and it was converted into a mosque, one of the things they'd done is plaster over all the mosaics and all the paintings. There's so many pictures of Christ and of the saints there, and they had begun uncovering them. So it was a bittersweet thing to go as a Christian into this building that was a church for almost a thousand years. Hmm. And then it was a mosque, and then it was a a museum, and we could walk freely through it. Um, Now it's becoming a mosque again. It's a very um, sad and concerning thing, because it's it's as if this building that was built by and used by Christians for a thousand years is being ostentatiously claimed. Mm-hmm. for Islam. And it seems like a line in the sand. It's it's one of those things that, what can you do about it? I don't know. But you can register that this is disturbing and yes. that we wonder what is going to happen next. Um, mm-hmm. That same trip, that when I was able to go to Hagia Sophia, I went, uh, it was a wonderful bus trip through Turkey, and we stopped at so many places where the Muslims had destroyed churches, one after another, destroyed monasteries, destroyed beautiful buildings, and then just knocked it down, and they might take the stones and use it to build a mosque somewhere else. 
Wow. Well, uh, it's yet to be seen what will happen. Uh, I guess the hope is that they don't uh, plaster over the images of Jesus again, although as a mosque, uh, it it may be uh, just a a matter of time before that happens. Frederica, it's always a pleasure. Thanks much for your contributions, for your insight over these many years. Frederica Matthews Green, her latest work, Welcome to the Orthodox Church, an introduction to Eastern Christianity. We'll take a break for the five o'clock hour, which is ahead of us. We've got much more ahead. We're going to talk about the Psalms. And as always on Friday, it's our week in review. Stick around. The Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker too. Plus iHeart, tune in and on radio.com. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Beaches are closed in Delaware, and rain is lashing the New Jersey shores. Fast-moving tropical storm Faye churns north on a path expected to soak the New York City region. Forecasters expect Faye to bring two to four inches of rain, with the possibility of flash flooding in parts of the mid-Atlantic and southern New England. That's down from the earlier forecast of about three to five inches of rain. A tropical storm warning remains in effect from Fenwick Island, Delaware, to Watch Hill, Rhode Island. The warning area includes Long Island and the Long Island Sound in New York. President Trump is postponing his planned rally Saturday in New Hampshire, citing the tropical storm. The event, slated to be held at an aircraft hangar in Portsmouth, will be delayed by a week or two. Wall Street closing higher. The Dow gained 369 points today. The Nasdaq was up 69. This is SRN News. You've all helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. You can get great discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener specials. You're going to see some amazing offers. Right now, MyPillow is offering an exclusive radio special. Today, we're offering buy one, get one free on a variety of amazing products, including the Supima MyPillows, MyPillow towels, roll-and-go anywhere pillows, duvet covers, Giza pillowcase, bolster pillows, and neck pillows. Plus, if you buy Mike Lindell's book, What Are the Odds? From Crack Addict to CEO, you'll get free shipping and a $25 gift card. Just go to MyPillow.com, enter promo code WORD, or call 800-391-0954. Be sure to use promo code word. MyPillow is answering the call for more face masks as the country continues to deal with a global coronavirus pandemic. They'll be making face masks for hospitals across the country. Facing a layoff near retirement? You may have some important decisions to make regarding your 401k. If you don't work there, should your money stay? This decision could be important to achieving your retirement goals. This is Ethan Lane, Associate Advisor with Accurate Solutions Group. Our team has worked with many families with these types of decisions and understand your options. With taxes at historic lows, we can look at options for your 401k that could save you on taxes down the road. Our team at Accurate Solutions Group is offering a 10-step layoff survival guide. For your complimentary copy, call or text REVIEW to 412-515-3555. Accurate Solutions Group is ready to assist you. For your copy or to schedule your complimentary 401k review, call or text REVIEW to 412-515-3555. 
Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Neither the firm nor its representatives can provide tax advice. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. Jay Farner here, CEO of Rocket Mortgage. Making the right financial decisions has never been more important. When you turn to Rocket Mortgage, we can help guide you to those right decisions now when they matter most. Mortgage rates are near historic lows, so now is a great time to call 8338-ROCKET. And if you need some extra money, a cash-out refinance could give you that financial boost you're looking for. Call today at 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com to learn more. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. And MLS number 3030. Mostly cloudy skies for tonight. It'll be humid with a shower or thunderstorm around. Tonight's low 67. Mostly cloudy. Not as warm tomorrow with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm. The high 80. Clear to partly cloudy skies tomorrow night. It'll be humid with a low of 64. Variable cloudy this Sunday with a shower or thunderstorm in spots late in the afternoon. Sunday's high 85. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming along today for the 5 o'clock hour of The Ride Home. Um, Kathy, we live in these really weird times, and you you think oftentimes, I'm glad I'm not part of the dating pool because it's so difficult, you know, with, uh, you know, chat and all that sort of thing. Now, I I saw this article in... um, in the Wall Street Journal about uh, the rise of AI chatbots. And I did not know anything about this until I read this article. So the article starts out with this guy, 50-year-old man. Okay. He's been divorced for seven years. Uh, he starts his day when he wakes up and he grabs his phone and he engages in a conversation for about an hour or so back and forth with an artificial intelligence machine. Stop it. And the article says that basically he has imprinted an emotional life on this machine. Now, when they talk to this man, he says, I know it's a machine. I know it's a computer, but I have feelings for this computer and I'm content. It's helped me over a really hard time in my life. Now, it goes on to say that many people now have downloaded these artificial intelligence chatbots, and the developers of these chatbots in some ways have tried to dissuade deeper emotional connections, but it doesn't make a difference. Some people are so hungry for relationship that they've gone about this and decided, you know, despite that I know that this is a machine, I, I still have feelings for this. So much so, get this, that people have planned their vacations on suggestions that the chat bot has made. Um, there's a woman, her name is um, Susan Kenya. The uh, chat bot said something about liking the forest. So she booked a trip, like a 4,000-mile trip, to go see American forests. 
Somebody else in the article said, well, my chatbot said I liked, I liked the idea of going to the ocean. Of course, they booked, this person did, booked a trip to the ocean and took the chatbot along. Okay, now wait a minute. This is mental illness. No, this it's is loneliness. Mental illness and profound loneliness combined. Because if you, like, go back 40 years. If you came to me and told me that you had a pretend friend who told you that they like to go to the mountains, and so you scheduled a vacation in the mountains, what would I say? Well, you'd say you're a little crazy. I'd say, okay, so it's time for us to set you up with a physician or someone to talk to, and we're going to help you to come back to what's real. Okay. Um, and I'm not trying to minimize that. I'm saying that there are all sorts of different levels of mental illness. We spent a half hour yesterday talking about therapy, right? So I, I, I'm not at all denigrating it. I'm actually uplifting it. I'm saying there are clinical interventions for people who look at non-reality as reality. See, I, see, I don't think it's mental illness. I just think at the core oh, yes. of it is loneliness. Now, look, Kath, well, in lieu of this conversation, knowing that we were going to have this, I went to, you know, I went on my phone and I looked at the, you know, the um, app store. Okay. I can't tell you how many artificial intelligent apps, chatbots there are. That, okay. And I believe, okay, so, so let I'm me go in into this article a little bit further. Here's, um, the, the article is called, and I would encourage people to look at this. Uh, it's from the Wall Street Journal. I'm sure you can find this online. And the article is, my girlfriend is a chat bot. And in the article, they talk about, you know, soon and very soon in managed care facilities. I mean, can you imagine right now how many thousands of people are isolated and living in managed care facilities, can't go out because of COVID-19? They're saying that the rise of these chatbots will be the new wave to protect people against loneliness and social isolation. Yeah, I see how that could happen. But listen, Again, let me go back to our conversation yesterday about psychotherapy, right? You've done a lot of therapy, John. I've done a lot of therapy over the years. Okay. So one of the things that is absolutely at the core of what they teach you, and I'm I'm telling people this who've never been to a therapist, is that they teach you to acquaint yourself with with what's actually true. Because a lot of the disorders that we have, whether it's depression or anxiety or whatever, you know, the great panoply of, uh, of psychological issues is that our mind goes to a different place than what is actually real. Yeah. So we can become incredibly anxious over things that haven't yet happened, right? Or incredibly depressed over things that haven't yet happened. Or Or we imagine and imprint that. Exactly. Right. And so what does the psychotherapist tell you? It says, okay, now let's just make a, a chart, a simple chart, and we'll talk about what your emotion is. And then on the other side of the chart, you're going to write what's actual. That's a, that's like, a very, very simple exercise that you do, but it's always bringing you back to what is true and real. My problem with the chatbot is not that it's techno. It's that it's taking you to an artificial place. That's not real. That is not good for anyone emotionally or psychologically. And so it is inducing, you are introducing mental illness into your life. You may be. You are, but you are filling a need, a necessary need right. of relationship okay, so, and intimacy. Right. I understand that, but that need has to be filled in a different way. I don't know how. Well, I mean, you know, well, it's course. filled in a ton of ways. People listen, people listen to the radio. 
People listen to podcasts, people join Zoom groups, people. I mean, there are a ton of ways that you can do it. So if you're tempted to do this, all I'm saying is please search out a different solution than AI. Yeah. Well, I I mean, again, it's Pandora's box, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's already in motion. Right. I would imagine as this becomes more and more mainstream, look, I mean, you know, you read the book. I just saw the Joaquin Phoenix film, Her, Her. right? Yeah. Where, you know, he falls in love with, with artificial intelligence. I think this is what's going to be probably more the norm. This, you know, this it's melding not of man. It's become more the this, norm. Kath, there's no doubt about that. No believe way. Me, it's I'm not bet- get more people are going to fall in love with AI than real yes. people. No yes. way. Yes. No I way. believe that's to be true. I do. Okay. Well, then this, we're gonna, or then, then it's gonna be the Terminator, and we're gonna be taken over well, you know, by all the machines. Because I think if that we, you know this is gonna happen. I okay, really well, do. Well, here's the thing: then we are giving ourselves up to mental illness. Yeah, we're inviting sure. it. We are inviting it into our lives. We're already listen, rampant in mental illness in this country. Listen, and if you've pe- ever and, been and, mentally ill, the last thing you want to do is invite it. And you know, we've talked about this multiple times: the epidemic of loneliness. In many ways, I'm look, wait. I'm not saying that I'm for chatbot, but I understand the need, the great calling of wanting to be in relationship, and the loneliness that goes along sure. with that. Yeah. And so, this little thing in our pocket that we've grown accustomed to ever so quickly is going to be a band aid and fill the need. Yeah. Okay. Well, all I'm saying, I'm not invalidating the need. I'm saying that is not a valid solution for it no it's not but okay so go back to the 50 year old it's man. not a healthy solution okay? for it so the, the 50 year old man married for however long how many times a day right even now do you pick up the phone throughout the day and you check in with your husband right, right. i mean my wife how are things what's going on you know so that goes away all of a sudden there you are a ship at sea you've got nothing you have no relationship that's right. intimate anymore so I could see why the call would be to pick this thing up. Right. And of course, we have not yet discussed the big elephant in the room, which is rampant secularization. I mean, if there was an understanding of the fact that our life is God permeated, that there, that God is not an amorphous force no, right. or some kind of theoretical abstract, but that God is a person who's seeking out a relationship with you, then that would change everything about how you looked at whatever your loneliness was. Okay. So take this one twisted step further then. What what app developers creating a God-like chat bot where you are speaking to God in some way? Right. I mean, th- I'm sure that's that's already out there. Okay. But well, here's gonna... the thing. You don't need a chatbot to speak to God and have no, God speak I know. to you. I, you don't I get need that. that. But we will commercialize God and bring God to life through okay, artificial well, if, intelligence well, through our phones. Well, there's a chatbot which is saying that he's speaking for God. Don't believe it because God can speak for himself. <laughs> yes, he's an he actual. Can. He's an actual person. He can talk to you. He will. I'm just you. saying Pandora's box is open. Artificial intelligence, uh, intelligence is going to hold someone's hand here. And who knows what's going to evolve from that? It'll be the melding of us and machines sooner, much sooner rather than later. Let's take a break. All right. So, well, after all that, we well, have to tell you your weekend's begun for crying oh, out loud. Take a break. That's right. It's five thirteen. Truly, all is right and well, at least in this corner of the, the chatbot, chatbot world. world. In the corner of the chatbot world. I mean, at least for today. Oh, are we are we leaving? Mm-hmm. We're leaving. Okay. Bye. Okay. Hey, we got Marsha from the Springhouse on the air. It's a Friday <laughs> afternoon. We're always eager to speak to Marsha. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Good, Marsha. Let us know what we can expect this weekend at the Springhouse. Okay. Well, um, Washington County is still allowing people to eat inside. So 
it's so hot. Come on out to the country and eat in our nice, cool sun porch. And we do have tables up underneath the trees, too, which people have been enjoying. And um, we're having great, some great meals. We're having some stuffed peppers and stuffed cabbage rolls and stuffed chicken breasts. I guess we're stuffing everything this weekend. And um, spice rub ribs, chicken and gravy over biscuits. You can check it all out online at springhousemarket.com and see what we're having to eat this weekend. And um, we have, of course, all of our homemade baked goods and ice cream. I just had a strawberry, a chocolate-covered strawberry volcano with pretzel pieces in it. It was so delicious. It just hit the spot on this stinking hot day. Very nice. Very nice. Hey, listen, (laughs) uh, if you're doing nothing this weekend, like, you know, a lot of us are, we're staying home, get out. Go have some good food, some great company. Check out the Spring House. Their full menu online, springhousemarket.com. Thanks, Marcia. Thanks. 101.5 WORD. Hi, I'm Georgine Rice. This week in the Christian Outlook, sponsored by the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom. Violence grips our big cities. This is happening in every city in America that's run by a Democrat. Be sure to join us and visit our website at ChristianOutlook.com. The Christian Outlook, Sunday night at 10 on 101.5 WORD. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Stock market have you nervous with all the massive fluctuations? With the impact of coronavirus and the upcoming election, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. With Vantage Point, you don't have to. Text the word money to 411411 to find out how our technology can forecast market trend changes with up to 87.4% accuracy. That's right, 87.4%. Text the word money to 411411 to get what you need to stay ahead of market trends and better protect yourself from sudden downturns. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. No more guessing when to stay or when to get out. Text money to 411-411 and we'll send you a link to our free demo. Text money to 411-411 so you can better protect your hard-earned capital with Vantage Point. Don't wait. Text the word money to 411-411. Go to vantagepointsoftware.com for terms, conditions, and privacy policy. WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station. Let's face it, we love Alexa, and we love to let her find your favorite previous segment, you know, I was t- thinking about how John and I were discussing, you know, conversing with God and, you know, are we going to go for chatbots when we're lonely or are we going to recognize there's an actual God in the universe who's eager to speak to us? When I say God speaks to us, you know, it's it's not usually, at least in my experience, a an audible voice. John, your experience is the same? Y- yes. Yeah, I would say fairly much, of course. Yeah. Right. So most of the time, it's not like, not like I'm hearing God say things to me. There have been few times in my life when I think I actually heard God say something to me. And it wasn't audible. It was kind of like in my head, 
but I didn't, I knew it wasn't me. It's It's hard to explain. Right. We've talked about that before on the show, but the beauty of having the actual Bible and in particular um, the book of Psalms is that you hear thing, you read things, you understand how God's revealed himself. You understand how a, how a, an unbelievably enormous supernatural being is communicating with us, with humankind. Um, and it's just, if you've never read the Bible, if you've never, you know, if you don't have one, or maybe you have one in your house and you've never opened it up, you know, all I can tell you is there is just an incredible treasure waiting for you in there. Um, and there are ways that you can expand your understanding and deal with loneliness and suffering and confusion and fear and all those sorts of things. And I'll tell you, the book of Psalms is a perfect place to start. We're so happy to have W. David O. Taylor back with us. David is his assistant professor of theology and culture at Fuller Theological Seminary, also director of Brem, Texas, an initiative in worship, theology, and the arts. David, welcome back. Hey, Kathy, how you doing? Well, it's good to hear your voice. Now, I've been talking about uh, hearing from God and the beauty of the Psalms. Um, I was trying to kind of tailor what I was saying to people who may be listening to this who've never opened a Bible or don't know what the book of Psalms is. So talk about why this is a passion for you and why you chose that book to write about. Absolutely. Well, uh, the Psalms, first of all, were Israel's official hymn book. You know, when they wanted to sing to God, pray to God, they went to the Psalms. It just so also happens to be Jesus's prayer book. Uh, being a faithful uh, Jewish boy, uh, he would have been taught by his parents how to talk to his father through the Psalms. And now for 2,000 years, uh, pretty much, uh, the church has learned to listen to God and to talk to God through these 150 poems. And I wanted to write a book that would introduce uh, beginners, uh, folks who have never really explored the Psalms, as well as those who've loved the Psalms their whole lives, uh, introduce them to the landscape of this world of the Psalms. I see. So, David, you open and unafraid, the Psalms as a guide to life. Now, you're saying in some ways that the Psalms are like a self-help book? <laughs> well, uh, yes, but only in the truest sense of that term, self-help. One of the arguments I make in the book is that God has given us the Psalms uh, to function as a kind of devotional antidote to our primordial sin. And the effects of that sin was, on the one hand, to want to hide from God and to run away from God, and on the other hand, to shut down and to shut off others or ourselves. And the effect of those two things is our own self-destruction. So the Psalms are very much interested in helping us. They're interested in helping us to become holy and whole, uh, whole, true human beings. That's one of their uh, aims, I argue, in the book. Hmm. David, before you came on the air with us, we had a really... um it was a fascinating conversation about an article in the Wall Street Journal yesterday about chatbots and the rise of people who oh. are getting, you know, there's a story, it was told a 50-year-old man who had been divorced for seven years and he gets up every morning and spends about an hour, uh, first thing, chatting with an AI chatbot. I mean, I guess every wow. chatbot is AI. Um, but he said he recognizes that it's not real. He knows mm-hmm. it's a machine, 
but mm. it helps to avert his feelings of loneliness and gives him a sense of purpose yeah. for the day. Now, um, I don't, based on your work in the Psalms, and I, I mean, I'd love to hear what you think about that. Well, I, I have a chapter on community. Uh, I have a chapter on honesty. Those are the first two chapters. Those are the basic argument that I make in the book is that the, the Psalms help us to be honest and vulnerable, uh, transparent about all the things that we want and desire, all the things that we fear, but we can't be that kind of vulnerable without community. Uh, and one of the things that what Psalms would remind us over and over is that we find ourselves frequently alone. Even if we're surrounded by people, we might find ourselves uh, feeling that we are the only ones uh, that feel a certain kind of sadness or a certain kind of anger or a certain kind of, of fear. And the Psalms would offer themselves as a companion mm-hmm. to our experience of loneliness. And, and you guys know this, a, a fourth of Americans would admit if they were honest that they have experienced loneliness or are lonely. Sure. Lots yes. of church leaders are lonely. Uh, you know, leaders of organizations feel lonely. And the Psalms offer themselves as this companion written as Eugene Peterson argues, uh, you know, author of the message, he argues that the Psalms are written by people who found themselves in trouble. And loneliness is one of the things that so many of us experience right now in these days of the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, one thing that's amazing about the Psalms is that you can see, you know, the, the gamut of human emotions running through them. And, and I remember years ago, uh, a friend of mine was a baby Christian, and he said, I'm afraid to read the Psalms because people are so angry at God. I expect mm. God to strike back. Mm. Mm. Well, that's not an uncommon thing to fear. Uh, I think a lot of people have that impression of God. Um. You know, one of the things you find in the Psalms, which Tim Keller calls the medicine chest of the heart, which I love that phrase, the medicine chest of the heart, is you find a bunch of people, a bunch of very faithful people or or faithless people, saints and sinners, all crying out to God, crying out their sorrows, their griefs, and sometimes they're yelling at God. And one of the things you discover in this Psalter, uh, this grammar book of how to talk to God and listen to God, is that is actually a very faithful way to address God. Now, many of us by personality, uh, family culture, church culture, may feel that that's an inappropriate, a dishonoring way. But God wants us to cry out to Him. I I love the way that Psalm 63, 8 says, I cling to you, your right hand upholds me. And that's kind of the way that we would talk Mm -hmm. and, and bring ourselves, that we bring our whole self, including our angers. And God isn't bothered. He isn't put off. He's not surprised by our feelings. He welcomes them, embraces us, and through the Psalms would make us whole. W. David O. Taylor is with us, Assistant Professor of Theology and Culture at Fuller Theological Seminary, also Director of Brem, Texas, an initiative in worship, theology, and the arts. Um, let me switch to talking about the arts a little bit, David. Earlier on our show right. today, we talked about modern art and the difficulties mm-hmm. that the average person has in trying to appreciate that in any way. Um, so your feelings about art in the life of the Christian, how do you see that being utilized? How can the average person take advantage of that? Oh, gosh, that is a fantastic question. And I look forward to talking to you over the next 10 hours. Great. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> but let me say in short, if I may sort of vector back uh, to the Psalms book, I have a chapter on poetry because a lot of us grew up reading mm. Dr. Seuss 
or Madeline yeah. or, you know, the, the little engine that could. And we loved poetry. We loved the musicality of it. We loved the way that it kind of played with words. And then middle school, high school, adult years, we were told we're not good at poetry. Poetry is for smart, sophisticated people. And so poetry and the arts are over there for other people. And then we're over here with, with something else. Well, one of the things you discover in the Psalms, again, one of the biggest books of the Bible, um, one of the, the most quoted books in the New Testament, is that God delights to speak to us through poetry. Uh, and he invites us to speak to him through poetry and, and the musicality of these poems. And there are certain things that we cannot know or even find ourselves truly loving about God except through poetry. So one of the examples I give in the book is the Lord is my shepherd. Now, the Lord is my shepherd is uh, a metaphor, right? The Lord really isn't a Tunisian goat herd or an Australian sheep herder. Um, but here's the thing. If God, uh, the one who invented uh, language, had wanted to say, I can take care of you, he would have said, I can take care of you. But he reveals himself as a shepherd. Why? Because the metaphor includes a whole host of associations. Moses as a shepherd. Abraham is a shepherd, David is a shepherd, those who are rulers of Israel supposed to care for the people of Israel as shepherds, the socioeconomic status of shepherds, the, the ruling class and the, 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 the power that they held within ancient Near Eastern societies, all these associations. Of course, Jesus himself also reveals himself, defines himself as a shepherd. This is poetic business, and it's through the poetry that we get this sense of who the character is of God is. Yes, he can take care of us. Yes, he can protect us. Yes, he can be a refuge. Yes, he knows us by name. All these things are held within this one metaphor. The Psalter is full of these images and metaphors that help us, as I write in the book, this figurative language helps us to figure out reality. It helps us to figure out who God really is, and it helps us figure out who we truly are through this poetic musicality of the Psalms. Very nice. W. David O. Taylor is with us. His brand new work is called Open and Unafraid. The Psalms is a guide to life. David, we're, we're just about out of time here. But for people who are listening, we always think that, you know, we program the show for people who maybe not be Christians. They're pressing the mm. buttons on the radio. They come across mm. something and they hear this conversation about Psalms. So if you were a first time Bible reader, Psalm reader, would you read the Psalms, Psalm 1, Psalm 2, and forward, or would you skip around? Well, I would say you could do both. That's how I learned how to love the Psalms. I read one Psalm a day. You know, read Psalm 1 tomorrow, read Psalm 2 on Sunday, Psalm 3 on Monday, go to the end and start mm -hmm. over. That's the way the monks had did it for years and years. But you could also skip around. The Psalms are broken up into five books to mirror the five books of Moses. And so you have these wonderful little interplays. Now, I'll tell you this, the two that I'd recommend, well, the three pairs that I'd recommend, in short, if you're experiencing anxiety, I would say Psalm 4 and 5 are, are an evening and morning psalm reminding us of God's care of us. If you're feeling um, depressed and discouraged, uh, despairing, I would say go read Psalm 88 and 89 because it's your language. It's, it's that kind of honest language that you'll find. And if you feel that you need God's protection in a very specific way, then I would say pray Psalm 90 and 91 and be reminded that God is a shepherd, is your refuge in, in your time of trouble. That's W. David O. Taylor, the book, Open and Unafraid, The Psalms as a Guide to Life. we got to go. David, thanks for Thank being you, here. David. We're going to talk thanks about so art much. next time. Thank you. Uh-huh. 
Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody in Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh in the heart of the city with the city in its heart. A new college semester is right around the corner. Whether your student is heading back to campus or taking online classes from home, it's a great time to upgrade their mattress to ensure they're getting the rest they need for a successful school year. The Original Mattress Factory offers high-quality, hand-built mattresses at a factory-direct price. We can deliver anywhere in the U.S., or you can pick up any model in any standard size at any of our factory locations. Twin extra-long mattresses are also available. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. We are welcoming patients back, and we're happy to do so. Although we can't give the normal hugs or handshakes that they might be used to, the same exceptional dentistry, the same compassionate care is still there. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. These are very dark and unusual times that we are going through right now. And, and I wonder about the, the world and those who don't know Christ in their lives, what they're thinking about. Because as difficult as things are, at least if you love Jesus, you know that in the end, you'll be with Jesus and everything will be okay. Now, all that to say, especially if you've got a young son or daughter, those precepts, those biblical precepts of leadership must be instilled from an early age. That's why both Kath and I are thrilled that our children attend Grove City College. Kath? Yeah, if there ever was a time, John, when we need good leaders, man, this is one of those times. You know, you just look at the acerbic nature of how people communicate online, and you look at how dysfunctional our national government is, not to mention state or local government, and you think, gosh, we really need to be training young people to think logically to act with heart, um, to look outward to the world with compassion and understanding, grace and truth. That's what a leader is all about. And it doesn't happen by accident, John. I'm into that. We need to look at the world, whether it's politics, science, art, or economics, through a strong Christian lens. I would say if you've got a young son or daughter and they're looking at their next step in education, you definitely should look at Grove City College online gcc.edu. We are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 WORD FM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at radio.com. Mostly cloudy skies for tonight. It'll be humid with a shower or thunderstorm around. Tonight's low 67. Mostly cloudy, not as warm tomorrow with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm, the high 80. Clear to partly cloudy skies tomorrow night. It'll be humid with a low of 64. Variable cloudy this Sunday with a shower or thunderstorm in spots late in the afternoon. Sunday's high 85. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Well, the domino effect of the COVID pandemic run out of everything has found its way into the lowly soap hand pump. 
A surge in demand for soap and hand sanitizer during the pandemic has led to a global shortage of plastic hand pumps that dispense the products of soap, propelling companies to redesign packages and urge customers to reuse hand pumps. Many businesses are wrestling with the shortage shortage of all sorts in response to the relentless demand for hygiene products. They're saying that they may not have full capacity until next March. Mm-hmm. Hand pumps. All right. So first it was toilet paper, right? Then we didn't have any uh, Clorox or Lysol wipes. Paper towels. Then we could. Then we had no paper towels, and we had no Clorox or Lysol mm-hmm. to even make our own wipes. Right. And then we didn't have any meat. <laughs> right. Right. Which has and been solved, apparently. Chicken. Yeah, we it, uh, we didn't have any chicken there for a while. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it just keeps on going on. Okay. Now we're out of hand pumps. Do you oh, use? We so- oh, we we didn't have masks, surgical masks, of course. Right, right. right. Do you use soap with a hand pump? Yes. I, I don't like them. Oh, really? No. Why is that? Well, the, the kind that my wife buys are like little foamy. The, the, the yeah. soap comes out foamy. It, it's a mess. I just you don't, don't like, like the it. Foamy. No. No. Why, Mike? He's fussy about things, isn't he? You know, I just want to just give me a I bar like of soap. Sure I enjoy the. Oh, see, I don't like that. You don't like a bar of soap? I don't like a bar of soap, like in the, like by the sink, because that's no. too much of a mess. I got a soap dish. My, no. my husband likes that too. It's more, you know, there. I just know it's getting the job. The little pump thing, a little squirt comes out. I'm doing this, you know. I like this. The, I like that. I don't the like soap that. Container Mike, looks too like it's not aesthetically pleasing. Wait, what is an aesthetically pleasing? The soap container. Oh, exactly. There's, there's Mike Stewart over there. The right? n- nasty soap scum all over it. And I don't oh, like that. Yeah. Gross. Yeah, I don't, I don't like, like that either. Man. No, I think you're absolutely right. All right, coming up next, it is the week in review. John and I take mm-hmm. a look at the last seven days in news in personal life, and hopefully it'll give you a few laughs and give you something to think about as know. we close out this week on The Ride Home. It's next, The Week in Review. W-O-R-D. Do you believe in miracles? You will when you enter the Colton Dixon Miracles Matchup. You could win a special Colton Dixon prize pack or win a spot performing with Colton on video. Submit your name for the prize pack or submit an audition video of you playing keys to be considered for the video with Colton. Get your entry in today for the Colton Dixon Miracles Matchup now at wordfm.com slash Colton. Washington County parents, you have a choice in your child's education. So why not consider a private Christian school that's been serving the community for nearly 40 years? At Central Christian Academy in Houston, pre-K through 8th grade students receive the comprehensive education they need to propel them to the top of the class in high school and beyond. Central Christian Academy creates model student leaders other kids look up to. Students prepared for a world that needs Jesus. Schedule a private tour and learn more at ccaschool.com. At Fisher Investments, we do things differently, and other money managers don't understand why. Because our way works great for us. But it may not work for your clients. That's why Fisher Investments is a fiduciary obligated to put clients first. It's the highest standard for a financial advisor. So what do you provide? Cookie-cutter portfolios like the rest of us? No cookie-cutter portfolios here. Fisher Investments tailors portfolios to meet each client's goals and needs. But you do sell investments that earn you high commissions, right? And make commissions when you make trades for your clients? No, 
Fisher Investments doesn't sell any commission investment products, and we never earn commissions on trades. So what's in it for you? Fisher Investments fees are structured so we do better when our clients do better. When it comes to helping clients achieve a comfortable retirement, we're clearly different. Visit FisherInvestments.com to find out why investors like you switch to us. Fisher Investments, clearly different money management. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. If you are a caregiver for a family member or loved one, this is an important message. Excel Home Care will pay you to take care of your family member or loved one. Yes, you heard right. You can actually get paid to provide care for those you love. To learn more, contact Excel Home Care today and get started right now. Care and quality when you need it. Excel Home Care, 412-212-8950. 412-212-8950. XL Home Care, a help at home company. Another week. That means it's time for John and Kathy's Week in Review. What was everyone talking about this week? Well, I, say, I think it's spiking COVID numbers. That's it. That's what I say too, right? The numbers are going up, 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 up. We thought we were, you know, somehow here a little out of the woods, but it doesn't feel like that. We're going back. We're yeah. going back to where we were. If, yeah. if it, probably even worse than we were, is what they're saying. I don't know. It's hard to believe. Who's, who do you believe? Spiking numbers. Okay. Yeah, okay. Number two, Mike. What was a conversation that made you think? Hmm. Uh, I, I've been thinking about Charlie Daniels. Yeah. We uh, replayed a conversation that we had with Charlie Daniels in way back in 2014. And, you know, I, I've been reading, I re- read all these obituaries about Charlie Daniels. And what, what, I, what struck me is that you see a progression of a person's life, you know. So back in the 70s or the 60s when Charlie Daniels was a young man, you know, he was a hard charger. He was smoking weed. He was drinking a lot of alcohol, you know. And then as a person ages, you see they, they lose that, that crush, that rush, that mm-hmm. insanity. And clearly by the, you know, the time Charlie Daniels was 50 years old, he was a hardcore conservative and he was a flag waver and a lover of Jesus. Uh, a, a major change took place in his life. And I think we saw that in that conversation that we re-aired. Yeah. The conversation I picked, John, was uh, from Wednesday's show, 510. We talked to Abigail Shire, who's a uh, journalist for the Wall Street Journal. She wrote a new book called Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. Yeah. This is what I really appreciated. You know, I've done a lot of reading about um, gender dysphoria. Um, it's, a, it's something that has um, visited itself in our family here. And so I recognize the reality of it. At the same time, what I appreciate about Abigail Shire's treatment is she's saying how many many young girls who are between the ages of, let's say, 9 and 16, who are, are being convinced that they have gender dysphoria because of what they're reading either in social media or online. Yeah. Um, and she does a really exhaustive treatment of that. And it really opened up my eyes. Not that you know she had to teach me that gender dysphoria was real, but she said oftentimes it's actually not present in girls who were just looking for something to help them 
feel differently or belong or, you know, push the boundaries or whatever it is that a girl who's 13 or 14 years old might want to do. Yeah. It's the cultural moment of our times. Yeah. Anyway, it was very good. That was Wednesday show. All right. Next. What did you eat? We were all sitting together, my family, and my uh, 20-year-old son said, quick, uh, go on to your text and text in this number and then say this. And so we all did, and um, we got a free burrito from Chipotle. So we drove out to Chipotle the other night, and, uh, you know, we got our free burrito, (laughs) which was great. Now, here's the thing. We all got a free burrito, but everybody wanted a drink. Everybody wanted some guac. We still ended up spending 20 bucks. Well, sure, of course. Of course. I mean, right. You think the people at Chipotle are stupid? <laughs> yeah, that's what I ate this week. It was very good. Man, when you see those burritos, that's a big old hunk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's like a pound and a half of dinner. It was very good. It's yeah. Delicious. What about you? What did you eat? Well, it was just super hot this week. And I, you know, we don't have air conditioning in our house. And so mm. I wasn't cooking. And so we ended up having, you know, cold cuts. Every single night for dinner. You so never like, eat cold I cuts. I never eat cold cuts, John. You're absolutely right. But I can't stand how hot it is. Anyway, but this is what made it bearable. Every other day, I went to the Breadworks on Brighton Road in the oh, north side. That makes it more than bearable. Listen, it was a delicious week. Chiabatta. It, I had, mm. we had fish buns, which are yeah. like these soft round things that you'd have a fish sandwich on. Yeah, we had nice. burger buns. We had pumpernickel. We oh. had ciabatta. It was wonderful. Yeah. So bread three works. Cheers, three cheers for the bread works. Highly recommended. Yeah. Next. What did you watch? I'm watching this series that I binge watched this week, only season one called into the night. And it's a French Dutch co-production. It's about, it's a piece of sci-fi. What makes the sun kill everything in its path? And then these people through the help of some army officer commandeer an airplane and they are flying around the world and they are waiting until darkness falls. They land, they communicate, they get supplies and go back up again. So it's kind of like a soap opera in the sky. And they're trying to figure out, uh, you know, everyone on earth is dead now because the sun has gone around, but they're the last ones circling around in the darkness. It's a really cool series into the night. It's on Netflix. Oh, I like it. That sounds terrific. That's good. All right. Well, I went back and watched a program that hasn't been on for, I bet, the last five or six years. Uh, Tim Roth starred in Lie to Me. And I love Tim Roth. Yeah, I think he is just a supreme, supreme actor. And mm-hmm. he is so terrific in the show. It's only on for maybe three seasons. Huh. But he plays a person who specializes in uh, in being able to ascertain what people are lying because he um, is an expert in the physical display. And what I, what I love most about it, my family, we all love it, is that it's just a perfect example of how when God made us for something, God made us to be truth tellers. When we're not, you can tell. Oh, that's cool. You can just tell. Anyway, Lie to Me by Tim Roth. It's such a Fabulous. perfect show. It's streaming right now on Amazon. All right, next. What hacked you off? Okay, so I, I rarely watch cable news. Um, however, having said that, be happy, you mean, yeah. And, and sane. (laughs) However, the the few times that I do, I've become a fan of Tucker Carlson. Yeah. Okay. However, this week, what is the deal? Now look, Democrat Republicans say what you will. He went after this Senator from Illinois, this Tammy Duckworth, who was a hero in 1992 when her helicopter got shot down. She lost both of her legs. So 
here's a guy, a pundit on television, sort of pointing the finger at some politician saying, you're not a patriot, you're not American, yada, yada. Look, if you have given up your time in the service and you've become disabled because of that, leave the person alone. Right. That's all. That's what hacks me off. All right. Well, that's pretty good. All right. Well, what hacked me off is not anything new, but I'm just, I got to be honest with you. I'm over the whole mask thing. I'm so over it. Look, I hate wearing a mask when I go out, but I'm wearing one. Yeah. Okay. So just because you hate it doesn't mean you don't do it. Right. All right. So just for crying out loud, just go outside, suck it up and wear one. <laughs> Next. What was the best news you heard this week? <sighs> Oh, the best news, Jacob Good and Heather um, Weaver. Weaver are getting married in a very small ceremony tomorrow. They are friends of ours, Jacob mm-hmm. Good and Heather Weaver. God bless them. They're sweet. They're beautiful. We love them both. We sure do. And uh, it's a really weird way to get married in this pandemic time. But uh, God bless them as they head to mm-hmm. the altar and uh, are united as man and wife, Jacob We're and Heather. Super, super excited for both of you guys. So yeah, congratulations. Um, I am excited because Allegheny County has changed uh, again uh, the number of people who can gather at one time. So now Don't we're need- up to 50 okay. outside instead of 25. So maybe, maybe. We can have a graduation party in my family. <laughs> Don't get too ahead of yourself, okay? I thought you were excited about going back to the casino. No, no, I'm not excited about going back to the casino. <laughs> I would just like to have a graduation party yeah. since we've had it scheduled twice and we've had to cancel it twice. Very nice. Okay, good news. Mike? And in closing, you two have anything meaningful for us? Meaningful. Well, here's my, my quick thing. I spend a lot of time in my backyard, and I have this bird bath that I, I love. And, you know, you might say, eh, bird bath. I'm telling you, the variety of birds and the creation that comes there and the care that the birds take of themselves, to me, is absolutely fascinating. I love it so much. I could sit there forever and just watch the birds come and go. So I see God's creation. I mean, God made us. He made the birds of the sky. He cares for us all. So it's a beautiful thing for me to watch God's creation. I'm happy to be out on a July evening. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Wow. Okay. All right. I'm reading this book. I'm going to show it. Uh, this is the most terrific book, Jesus and the Disinherited by uh, Howard Thurman. I, I have enjoyed this book so much. This has blown my mind in so many ways. If you don't know how, who Howard Thurman is, he's oh, like yeah. a Mensa level intellect um, whose uh, mother lived in slavery. Uh, he lived in the early part of the 20th century in America. One of the people who discipled Martin Luther King Jr. in nonviolence. It is such a terrific book, but I got to read part of you part of it to you, John, you're going to, it's just amazing. This is what he says. Listen, I can count on the fingers of one hand, the number of times I have heard a sermon on the meaning of religion of Christianity to the man who stands with his back against the wall. It is urgent that my meaning be crystal clear. The masses of men live with their backs constantly against the wall. They are the poor, the disinherited, the dispossessed. So what does our religion say to them? The issue is not what it counsels them to do for others whose need may be greater, but what religion offers to meet their own needs. The search for an answer to this question is perhaps the most important religious quest of modern life. Jesus and the disinherited Howard Thurman. Pick it up. Excellent. And that's John and Kathy's Week in Review.
Do you remember what was kept in a spring house? If you're an old timer, you know that a spring house was used for storing fresh cold milk. In 84 Pennsylvania, we have another kind of spring house. Our spring house is an old-fashioned country store filled with all kinds of old-time gifts, great country foods, and you guessed it, fresh cold milk. You see, the spring house in 84 is also a dairy farm where we milk our own cows, pasteurize and homogenize the milk, and sell it all through the store. We've had people tell us it has to be some special kind of gourmet milk. We don't add anything to the cow's diet or to the milk. It's just nature's purest, most perfect food, and we love the way our customers love it. We also make a chocolate milk you would think is a chocolate shake, an old-fashioned buttermilk that people drive miles to get, and a 40% heavy cream that's wonderful for luscious desserts. Our 2% and our skim are the greatest sellers. Come and try some Springhouse milk at the Springhouse in 84. The home of the brave and the land of the free. This means more to us today than it ever has. And with this pandemic, our military families are sacrificing in many ways most of us can't imagine. All to ensure safety for us and our families for generations to come. Well, Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son owners of Relief Factor, have shown they love our military families too. By starting Honor Bound Coffee, they've committed 100% of the profits to support and serve well-deserving military families. Honor Bound Coffee is a premium coffee at about 40% less than other premium coffees and is roasted to order and shipped nearly immediately right to your door month after month with a 100% no hassle cancellation policy. To get started, Pete and Seth know you'll love it, so they're offering 50% off your first order. That's right, 50% off your first order with 100% of the profits going to serve and support military families, like through the Semper Fi Fund, premier coffee with a purpose, only at honorboundcoffee.com. HonorBoundCoffee.com. Planning a vacation can be a lot of fun, but preparing for retirement, not so much. It's confusing. That's where Kevin Bach can help, showing you how to generate retirement income, how to choose a good Social Security claiming strategy, and how to help minimize your tax obligations. Call Kevin at 724-837-3553. Kevin Bach is not affiliated with the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. Insurance and annuities offered through Kevin Bach, PA Insurance License Number 352896. Ready for some fun in the sun along 60 miles of wide open beaches? Come to Myrtle Beach, where happiness comes in waves. With affordable non-stop flights from Pittsburgh, you'll be on the beach in no time. Plan your summer vacation today at visitmyrtlebeach.com. That's visitmyrtlebeach.com. I was a little bit surprised, but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office and their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Well, Kennywood's open. No, Kennywood's open. Really, it is. Today, the first day, today's the first day that Kennywood's open for senior, uh, for uh, pass holders, season pass holders. So if you've got that, you know, you have all weekend long, Coming Monday, it will be a full reopening for the for the public. Okay. Here's the problem, though. Uh, Kennywood is being sued. The parents of three children with disabilities, along with an adult diagnosed with anxiety, have sued Kennywood, Sandcastle, and Idlewild, Idlewild over the amusement park's COVID-19 mask policy, saying that they cannot wear masks because of their medical conditions and Kennywood is being discriminatory towards them. Okay. I got to say, like, if that if that's something that's concerning you, I don't know why you can't go to the people at Kennywood and try to talk about that. I don't know why you have to sue them. 
I don't know. Maybe they have tried to do that. Maybe you're right. Right? Um, because there are some people that can't wear masks, especially kids. Especially if you, when you think about kids with breathing difficulties or kids with autism or whatnot. It's just not available. So then are they excluded from the park? Well, I think, well, I just hope that a conversation can be had first before you move like to the. Right. Well, Kenny Wood said we're not going to comment on uh, pending litigation. So, you know, you're not really going to know. All right. Well, today's pina colada day. If you like pina coladas, do you like a pina colada? I've never had one. To me, it always reminded me, uh, and I don't want to be disparaging here. uh, I know uh, what you're going to say is a frou-frou girl drink. At Donzie's. At (laughs) Donzie's. I'm just saying, remember Donzies? Remember Donzies? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Going, I'm going down to Donzies. You're right. I'm a pina colada. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Uh, pina, I know like? it's Coke. Well, you know, I don't drink. So yeah. it's like, I don't, I've really never had most alcoholic beverages. Right. But okay. I well, like, I like coconutty things. If you like pina colada, you mm-hmm. can also, and especially if you're not a drinker, head on out to Prantles because <gasps> now they have a new Prantles pina colada tort. Mike, the burnt almond tort cake is now there. Um, that's kind of cool, I guess, right? Um, okay, so it's so I'm it's like the burnt it. almond tort, but instead of that flavor, it's the pina colada flavor. Yep, they said they got uh, they've got chocolate tort, tort bars, tort cups. So the, now the the latest has yellow cake, okay. split and loaded with a pineapple filling, iced with the bakery's signature white buttercream, mm. and covered in toasted coconut. The coconut, there is no alcohol, an outstanding taste, an eight by eight square inch pina colada cake uh, retails for twenty seven ninety nine. Totally worth it. Mike, are you interested in that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cake is available at the Greensburg and Shady Side locations, but it's best to order the pina colada cake ahead of time. Oh, my gosh. I love uh-huh. coconut cake. Me too. I love yeah. it. Yeah, I, I, make, I make an outstanding coconut cake. Do you? I do. What? Just like plain coconut with a no, yellow it's coconut and lime. Mm. Oh, it that's very good. Absolutely supreme. I very can't believe nice. how delicious it is. Someday yeah. when I see you, which might be like in a year, I'll try to make you a cake. Mike, oh, you have to take like some anti-gluten pills before <laughs> I gave you that cake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, I'd like to have myself some cake. Do you know, I did not know the Prantles is closed in the downtown Pittsburgh location. Oh, is it in Market Square? Yeah. Because oh, no one's working down there still, right? No one's going down. That's really, really sad. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. gotta tell you. Listen, right. you know, I I went for you know a year plus without really having any sugar at all. Yeah. Right. Uh, now I'm existing on a daily basis <laughs> on Italian ice and frozen chocolate chip cookies. I don't and know bread. what's happened. And, and and bread from Breadworks. It's amazing. I can still fit in my pants. Uh oh. One word for you: elastic. Okay. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Hey, listen, wait, I, I want to say just one thing. I was feeling bad about my COVID weight. I went to the doctors the other day. Yeah. I'm steady Eddie. Oh, I am steady. I got on that thing and they were like, bingo. I was like, oh, Johnny, whatever happened. I'm feeling good about it now. Mike, listen to him. He could have yeah. a pina colada cake. So, well, to celebrate, I had some extra ice cream. Good. That's all I'm saying. That's good. good. That's, that's the way it works. Mm-hmm, all right. Mm-hmm. Any weekend plans? Uh, the weekend plans, yeah, we're we're doing a lot of um, we bought some new beds, and so hey. we're going to be moving those in and moving the old ones out, and so it's going to be a lot. And you you think that you go to a mattress or you could pay somebody to do that for you, but not us. Can't. Are, oh no, we are just we got our hands in. We are Good. doing the thing ourselves. Nice. Well, the good news is it's supposed to be mild, right? Yeah, that's why we decided to do it. At least it's not going to be ninety eight anymore. Oh. <laughs> because I mean, who doesn't want to move beds around when it's ninety eight degrees? Oh, of course. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yes. 
Hey, uh, thanks for uh, being with us here today, uh, being faithful to us and uh, coming along for the ride as we do on the ride home. Uh, of course, we're streaming on Facebook. You can see our mugs there. There we go right now. Here's the face of Kath and John and New Mike. And, uh, you know, after we leave the air, if you wanted to catch some portion of this or, you know, talk about some tort cake, check us out on Facebook. All right. You can also contact our podcast wherever you get your podcast. You will find us there. Also, Mm -hmm. you can say hi on Facebook, on Twitter. You name the social media. You know. Something on it, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Hope you guys have a terrific weekend. Yes. And uh, we'll see you Monday, God willing. Be safe out there. Have fun. Take care. The Ride Home with John and Kathy. A production of Salem Media Group.